Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Bet on the best people. That's what we've tried to do. And whenever we can get the best people that we partner with on our team, our innovation partners, it's always who are the highest caliber people. And that's what we always try to go with first. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I'm pleased and honored to be introducing you to Trevor McGregor. You recognize his name. He's been on the show multiple times. Just search Trevor McGregor, Joe Fairless, and you'll hear his interviews that I did with him. And he has a lot of value during those interviews. Well, he's had a lot of value in my life. For the last five years, I have hired him to be a consultant to help me with my real estate business and just personal stuff too as a life slash business coach. And he's taken my game to a different level. Before I hired him, I had four single family homes. And oh, by the way, I was also single. Fast forward to today, my company controls over $300 million worth of real estate. And I am happily, happily married. Clearly, results are going to vary, but he has helped me in five years do things that I didn't even have on my radar. So I suggest that you speak to Trevor McGregor if you're looking to take your real estate investing business to the next level. If you've had success and are looking to build on that success, then he's your guy. Go to trevormcgregor.com or coachwithtrevor.com and you'll be able to apply for a conversation with him, coachwithtrevor.com. We used to do a free consultation. We got too many free consultations, and he actually is pretty full with his consulting program, and he's very conscientious about the value that he adds. He wants to add tremendous value, so he's being very selective with the people who he does work with. So go to coachwithtrevor.com and apply to have a conversation with him, and then you two can decide if it makes sense to work together or not and hire him as a consultant. It has impacted my life in a tremendously positive way. Him and his wife have gone to my wedding. Trevor's been to my conference a couple years, and I know him well, and I suggest that you get to know him as well. Coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Brett Hagler, how you doing, Brett? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Brett. He is the CEO and co-founder of New Story, which is a nonprofit that builds homes in the developing world. They've built homes in Haiti, El Salvador, Mexico. They've built over 1,300 homes, 
and he has been named Forbes 30 Under 30 Entrepreneur in 2016, and he's based in San Francisco, California. So with that being said, Brett, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, so I'm fortunate to run an organization called New Story. We're about three and a half years old. It started after a personal trip that I took down to Haiti a couple years after a 2010 earthquake that happened down there. And I was basically just blown away by what kids and moms were growing up in after the earthquake and realized that safety and shelter was a really, really huge need. And so wanted to create a solution for that and try to do it in a fresher approach with more transparency for donors, because I was very frustrated with what seemed to be kind of like a black hole when I gave money, especially internationally. And so that's how we started about three and a half years ago. And we've been very fortunate to actually work with a lot of real estate companies, a lot of real estate agents, a lot of investors around the real estate world, just because of the synergy with houses and communities that we build, which we'll talk more about, and then the, some of the technology that we also have that allow people to have a better experience. So that's the high level. Can you talk to us about the mechanics of how you do what you do? Yes. Yeah, very simply put, I'll give you one example and you can, we can multiply that out. We go into the developing world countries and we find areas where families are living in extreme poverty and don't have access to life's most basic human needs. So that's safety and shelter, clean water, and some type of food program, right? So think of the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, basically. And then we will identify a great local nonprofit and a local construction company. We will secure land very close by, and then we'll essentially become a developer in a sense where we get a large piece of land that could put a few hundred homes on that piece of land. And then we'll use other, usually nonprofit partners or maybe local government partners for other components of the community, such as a school, such as clean water, such as maybe a small factory, other income opportunities, where then the end result is a community. So we've been able to do 11 of those now throughout Haiti, El Salvador, and soon to be Mexico. And how that looks and how we fund that from the donor side or company side is that if you come onto our website, we built a crowdfunding platform. So think kind of like Kickstarter or Kiva, but for families that are homeless, living in extreme poverty. And you get to meet the family online. So you see their picture and their story. When you give, 100% of your donation goes towards building the house for the family, which is actually built by local workers buying local materials. And then when the families move in, we take a very simple but really moving move-in video of the families getting their keys and their home certificate. It's one of the best days of their lives. We capture that and we send it back to the company or the donor that made it happen. And last thing, the homes we build are a little different than I'm sure what your listeners are investing into. Our homes are only about 500 square feet and only about $6,000 per home. Mm -hmm. Makes my head spin about how you all coordinate all the things that you're coordinating to build a community, let alone it being in a area that is impoverished. I mean, the partnerships that you all have to coordinate with the water, the factory, the school stuff, and even the general contractor is incredible. What are some lessons learned for successfully executing those partnerships? 
Yeah, we get a lot of leverage through partnerships and we've been able to, to make it work and our team stays lean. We can scale all that good stuff. I'd say the number one lesson learned is just the due diligence up front of choosing the right partners and wanting to choose partners that you know if a pilot works, that you can go much deeper. And so I think that uh, we've been able to have some success in this area because of the SOP that we put together beforehand. And the What's of- SOP? Just a standard operating procedure oh, got it. With, the, with the partners. Yeah, sorry. And making sure that we are disciplined in what we're looking for and then really holding the partner accountable. And then if we feel that they cannot uh, kind of meet the, the standards of excellence that we try to set, then uh, we'll move on to a new partner. How do you hold the partner accountable? Well, that goes into the operating procedures that we put together. A simple description would be around just hitting certain timeframes and metrics, reporting structure, auditing that we put in place. So it's not extremely heavy lift, but we do have those procedures in place so that there is accountability baked into the whole process. And I think like a lesson for people listening is when you can put that in place from the very beginning, then accountability can be uh, kind of baked in to the operations from the beginning. And then when you go forward, there are things held in place for accountability as opposed to trying to identify a problem later on and then go back and try to rework some things. That's happened to us a few times. And that's when we've got into not trouble, but just it hasn't been the highest level of execution when that happens. Mm -hmm. Do you typically do a pilot with every new partner? Yeah, that's right. So we're very clear about that. We say, hey, here's our pilot. Here's what we're expecting. And then if this goes well, we have all intent of getting much more involved. And that seems to work. It seems to motivate the partner to work hard and kind of prove that they could be a longer term partner. And so, yeah, that's been a really good process for us. For a best ever listener who wants to give back more than what he or she currently is, What advice would you give to him or her about if they should start a nonprofit versus donate to one? Definitely donate to one. Starting a nonprofit, I don't really recommend that. The only reason that I started a nonprofit was because it wasn't because, oh, I saw people that were homeless, so I want to start my own nonprofit. I actually went to go find other organizations that I could really champion and could really support. But the reason that I wanted to start mine was because I was very frustrated by what was out there. So that was the reason that I started it. Now, if somebody else has that feeling, then okay, maybe your entrepreneurial mind can open up a little bit about why you should actually exist. And I think that you you shouldn't start a nonprofit just to replicate what other organizations are doing. There's already so many great orgs doing awesome work. I would just say due diligence, find the right one. And then if you do a lot of research and talk to a lot of people, and all of a sudden you're just very frustrated and very passionate and you can see a clear path to where there just there should be a better way to do this and nobody else is solving it the way that you believe should be done and other people believe should be done, then it makes sense to maybe do a very small test or like a minimum viable version of what you think should exist and start. I always say think big, but start really small. That's how we started. What are some challenges that you came across when creating your nonprofit? Before this, I actually had a for-profit startup as well. And I think obviously there's differences, but overall, it's pretty same. It's the same formalities to start a nonprofit or to start a for-profit business. It's just a little different what the paperwork and all that stuff is. But I think the mindset as well is about the same. You've 
got to create something that is an obvious need and is uniquely better than what is already existing if you want to get any type of traction. So when you find those things in the very beginning, I think it's very similar, actually. I think the best nonprofit entrepreneurs that I've had a chance to meet have either in the past been great for-profit executives or entrepreneurs, or if they wanted to, it's very clear that um, if given the choice, they could go run a very good for-profit company. From a strictly business sense, and as cold and calculated as we can be, just to separate the obvious incredible benefits that you are doing to families. But let's separate that and let's just talk about from a business standpoint. How do you benefit from a business standpoint for creating a nonprofit? I'm happy to answer that. I don't know if I have clarity on what you mean benefiting from a business standpoint. Well, what I mean is you could be spending your time on a for-profit startup or business. So there's some sort of opportunity cost here. And in some ways, this benefits you from a money-in-your-pocket standpoint. Now, I'm not saying it's a direct cause and effect, but I'm saying there is, because anytime we give, we get 10 times back what we give. So how are you benefiting from a business standpoint? For me, why I do this work is ultimately is for impact. And people have different things that they measure and why they wake up in the morning and go to work, whether that's a for-profit job or a nonprofit job. Some people are really optimizing for impact. Some people are really optimizing for money. And I've just decided to optimize for impact. My metric is how many lives can we change? But in doing that, for us and my team, the culture that we've created, how we go about doing it, where we really prioritize innovation and technology and really being out on the forefront of what's coming, that creates a lot of really awesome opportunities to meet amazing people, to be in rooms that I would never be in if I weren't doing this, and to really just understand that there are things such as relationships and experiences and obviously impact that are all different currencies. Mm -hmm. Um, Money is one currency. Those are other currencies. And me and my team, even though we actually make a decent amount of money, I don't believe in paying people very low just because they're part of a nonprofit. But those things, you could say they have dollar value on them and their experiences that I wouldn't, my team wouldn't trade for anything. So that's a long-winded answer of saying, what is the quote-unquote benefit other than helping change people's lives? What are some of the rooms that you have been in that you would have never been in if you weren't doing this? We're based on Silicon Valley. And so if anybody takes a look at our advisory board, our page there, it's just some of the top CEOs or investors in this area, which is really cool just to be able to interact with those leaders on a daily basis if we'd like to then go into introduction meetings that they'll make for us and to just build relationships with really world-class professionals. That's just what we do now. And it's a very fortunate position to be in, to grow, especially as a young professional, young leader. I'm, I'm personally only 28. My team is relatively young as well. So we've been fortunate to kind of build out that network and it's incredibly fun and challenging and really pushing us forward. And I'm going to go back to the partnerships that you all have on the ground. So switching gears a little bit, Anya. And I want to follow up with your construction partners that you have in Haiti, El Salvador, Mexico, because you're building homes and it's likely homes that the construction partners haven't built exactly how you're building them. 
first, is that a fair statement? Right now, we're still pretty young. So in our first two and a half years, they are pretty similar. Okay. The construction partners on the ground, it's a similar type of house that they've been building in with other projects not working with you. Yeah, there's definitely some differences, but for the most part, it's a similar structure. Mostly concrete, similar square foot size. However, a really big new initiative that we have just as an overall company is innovating on the actual home unit. And we have some really exciting things coming up in 2018 that we're doing for that. But we'll come back to that. The reason why I was asking about the on the ground contractor, local construction team is because when you're partnering with companies that are thousands of miles away in a different country. And as investors here in the US, that is one major challenge for fix and flippers or for other people who are hiring a local construction company. So I know you mentioned accountability and timelines and giving a pilot program, but is there anything else that comes to mind Because this is a major pain point for investors here and you all are doing it and you're doing it at an entirely different level with entirely a bunch of more variables that could go wrong. But clearly you're seeing yourself through those. I definitely don't have any great or creative answers. For us, it's pretty simple. It's just choose excellent people that are at these partnerships and are running the organizations, make sure they have an excellent track record that you can really trust and have potential in them. I would say that's where it really starts with us. And then all of the other operating procedure stuff just flows down from that. Do you call on references? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're obsessed with, with all of that. Got it. All right. You mentioned innovating on the home unit. What are some things you have coming up? Well, we have one thing coming up that is pretty big, but it's stealth that is happening in March at South by Southwest. It's our biggest innovation to date for sure. So I'm not allowed to say what that is right now, but it has to do with building a home for half the cost, a fraction of the time and a better quality product. So that's one thing. And then what we're doing later in the year is we'll be looking much more into a type of prefab, prefab, but not just the stuff that we're all used to and I've heard here, but actual having potential small factories in the areas that we work. Because one of the issues with prefab is that if you're working in the developing world is all the shipping costs to get something from a warehouse in Brooklyn to a place out in the middle of nowhere in Southern Mexico. So we're going to be looking at what could we do to make the most of the promise of prefab and what what makes sense there that we're exploring. And then also to be able to get it there logistically in a very efficient way. Based on your experience founding a nonprofit in the real estate world, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Again, nothing great or creative. I would just say bet on the best people. That's what we've tried to do. And whenever we can get the best people that we partner with on our team, our innovation partners, it's always who are the highest caliber people. That's what we always try to go with first. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. Right. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you want to hire the guy who I hire to help me with my real estate investing business, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's coachwithtrevor.com. The Real Estate Innovators Podcast explores innovation in commercial real estate technology, design, and development. 
They celebrate the companies and innovators who are changing the business of commercial real estate and are inspiring the future of how we work, live, and play. Find out more at therealestateinnovators.com. Best ever book you've read? Best business book is Great by Choice. Most what? recent, another book that's not technically business, but absolutely love is Shoe Dog, which is a memoir by the founder of Nike. What's a mistake you've made in business? Overpromising and not delivering would probably be my biggest mistake. Best ever way you like to give back? Well, I run an organization that is all about giving back on a very large scale. But what is personally fulfilling as well is trying to do for one person what you wish you could do for everybody. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about your company and get involved? You can just Google new story. You'll see our website. You'll see other brass and media pop up there. We've been very fortunate to have some awesome partnerships with real estate companies, real estate investors, individual folks in real estate. So give us a look to make an impact. The house is only $6,000. Really cool ways that you can fundraise for that. A lot of other stuff. So you can just go to our site, check it out, and then you can just reach out on the site. Really enjoyed our conversation and your approach to what you're optimizing for and how you mentioned, you know, we can optimize for money, we can optimize for time. You're choosing to optimize for how many lives you can change. And it's a question that I don't think I've asked myself. And it's a powerful question. I think if we ask ourselves, what are we optimizing for? That's something to make us think. Cool. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on, man. Hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Cheers. The Real Estate Innovators Podcast explores innovation in commercial real estate technology, design, and development. They celebrate the companies and innovators who are changing the business of commercial real estate and are inspiring the future of how we work, live, and play. Find out more at therealestateinnovators.com.